Welcome to Mornings with Jesus. This is a live, interactive Bible study where we can connect with Christ and community daily and deeply. Join us every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we read a chapter of the Bible, pray, and share our reflections. Whether you are joining live or on the replay, I know God will meet you here. I also want to invite you to the Faith Mamas Tribe app. This is a free app where women of faith can connect, be encouraged, and have their faith strengthened. It's the online social space I know you've been looking for. So make sure to do three things before we start. One, subscribe to this channel. Two, share this with a friend. And three, download the app. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Now let's dive in today's Morning with Jesus. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mornings with Jesus. If this is your first time here, hello, my name is Dominique Young, and I'm excited to study the Bible right alongside you. But before we do, I have some important announcement to make right now. It is a huge announcement, and I want everybody to get ready for this huge announcement. You ready? Sue Ann is turn, has turned 71 today. Happy 71st birthday, Sue Ann. Wow, that's amazing. Praise the Lord for his faithfulness. Happy birthday to you. That is so awesome. I saw that and I was like, wow. Thank you so much for spending the first part of your birthday with us this morning. We count it an honor that you spent, you're spending this time with us this morning. So happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. We're so glad you're here. And wow, this is so awesome. Happy birthday. So you guys light up the comments. Tell her happy birthday. Even if you are watching on the replay, please make sure that you wish Sue a happy birthday. That is so awesome. I saw that one right when I was about to pull up. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, we have to we have to do a happy birthday. So we are so glad it's your birthday. We are so glad that God has been faithful to give you 71 years here on earth. Uh, and we are excited, looking forward to all that God will do in the future. Miss Margaret says, happy birthday, Sue Ann. So excited to be able to spend this part of your birthday with you. I want to say good morning to some of my friends that I see here live. Good morning, Nidia. Good morning, Lilith. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning, April. Good morning, Natalia. Good morning, Brickell. Good morning, Shanda. Good morning, Brandy. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning, Donna Lanita. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, Colina. Good morning to all of you. I'm so excited that you guys are here this morning. Good morning, Miss Margaret. I'm so excited you guys are here this morning as we prepare to study Joshua chapter 15. Joshua chapter 15. And I don't know about you, Joshua is a tough book to read, but I'm so glad that we are reading it. For some people, it's their favorite book of the Bible. For me, it's a particularly tough book of the Bible, but it is so awesome and it's giving us so much insight into the character of God and what's important to God. So I'm just excited to be able to read this alongside each and every one of you all. Now, before we jump into today's Bible study, I want to ask you a quick question. What are you grateful for today? What are you grateful for this morning? 
I will start. I am very grateful. First of all, I'm very grateful that we have a very special birthday today, but I'm also very grateful for you guys. I am grateful how you all show up. Um, I'm grateful for Barb volunteering. After yesterday, I just casually mentioned if somebody would be willing to take down um, those that are having um, that are pregnant. And Barb reached out and volunteered. And I'm just so grateful that we are a part of a community that really is just all hands on deck. Everybody kind of jumps in and supports one another. And it's absolutely beautiful. And so I am thankful and grateful for that. And then I'm also thankful and grateful. Yesterday, I started my fourth quarter in seminary. So the seminary I'm a part of goes by quarters instead of semesters. And so I'm studying the Greek language, which I was really nervous about, but I'm actually excited. I'm like, okay, okay. I think I can get this Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, so I'm just really excited about really digging in and getting an opportunity to study the Greek language, as well as I'm taking a class on um, slavery in the Bible. And if you guys have ever read, um, if you guys have ever read any like any slavery passages with me, you know that they they like oh like I struggle with those and also the war passages. So I'm excited to take the class to get an even deeper look at slavery in the New Testament and how that um, how that goes throughout the Old Testament and the New. So I'm just excited about it all. And so that I'm just grateful. I have a lot of things to be grateful for, as you can see this morning. Amen. Sue says, thank you all. I am blessed. Amen. Praise God. Good morning, Anastasia. Good morning, CJ. So excited to see you guys this morning. Erica says, I'm thankful for God waking me up this morning. Not sleepy at all. Come on. All right, not sleepy at all. That is so awesome. Margaret says, grateful to God for loading us with daily blessings. Amen. Hallelujah. Bevy says, I'm grateful to God for you, my sisters, who come together every week to study Joshua. Hallelujah. Yeah, I am too. And Joshua is not an easy book to study. And the fact that everybody keeps showing up is huge is huge. A lot of times people say they want to study the Bible, but when it gets to these passages, it's like, eh, I'll skip these, right? But it's so awesome to see people continue to show up to study um, Joshua, to study the Old Testament. You guys, we've been in the Old Testament now for two books. This is the first time um, in Mornings with Jesus that we've really spent this much time in the Old Testament, and we're not done yet. We're going to go to Judges after this. And so it's really cool to see people digging in to the Old Testament scriptures, people getting understanding about how they connect with the New Testament. So it's really, really cool. Also, random, somebody's been on my mind, Allison. If anybody has heard from Allison, let me know. And Allison, if you're watching this on the replay, we are praying for you, sis. We love you, love you, love you. Um, We absolutely love you. And we're praying for you. All right, let's see. What else are we grateful for today? Anastasia says, grateful for another day. Amen. Erica says, Faith Moms is so much better than Facebook. Come on. Woohoo. That is exciting. That is exciting, especially because a lot of us, Facebook has become a normal part of our life. It's like, it's like embedded into our life. So the fact that people are choosing to use the Faith Mamas Tribe app more than Facebook or enjoy it more than Facebook, that is really awesome. Ellen says, my oldest turns 10 today. We got another birthday. Okay. My eldest turns 10 today. I'm so grateful to be able to watch her grow and for her own journey with God. Amen. That is so awesome. Brandy says, I'm just grateful. Come on. I'm just grateful. 
Hallelujah. Me too. Me too, sis. It's just so much to be grateful to God for. April says, I'm grateful for God's grace and mercy. Hallelujah. CJ says, I'm thankful for the people God is placing in my life. I found an amazing diabetes educator and tonight a new support group, Testimony Loading. Come on, Testimony Loading. Testimony Loading. Ellen says, grateful you, uh, grateful to you get to keep learning and sharing your knowledge. Amen. Oh, thank you, Ellen. I mean, I'm so excited, y'all. Like, I can't wait to share. You know I'm going to do a video at some point on the Greek language. Even though I'm like a super beginner, I'm like, hey, we're going to learn together. Um, and if, if you know anything about the Bible, the Bible was not written in English. I know that some people are like, I only read the King James because it's the only real translation. That's not true. The all translations are uh, translations, and the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, mostly Hebrew, Greek, and a little bit of Aramaic. So, if we really want to dig in, we learn those languages, right? Um, so, I'm excited about that. Amen. Audrey says, I'm grateful for early mornings with Jesus and Dominique's faithfulness to her commitment to the assignment. Amen. So encouraging. Praise God. And you guys are so encouraging. Like, y'all have no idea. It's so encouraging, even that y'all show up. Because when God really put this on my heart, I was like, ain't nobody going to show up to this guy so early in the morning. And to see people, it's absolutely amazing. Carlina says, I'm thankful I found a new math curriculum next year for my kids that they are excited about. I think it will work well. That's awesome. I would love to hear more about what curriculum you're choosing. Um, Yeah, that is so great. Lilith says, I'm grateful to God for the, this family, for always taking care of us and helping us to understand his word as we study each morning. Amen. Shanda says, I'm just grateful for God and who he is. He's all that. Come on. We used to say all that and a bag of chips. I don't even know why we used to say that, but I mean, I felt like it was fitting. <laughs> Bella says, I'm so thankful for all the ways he has shown up and keeps showing up. Amen. Joanne says, good morning. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Barb. Good morning, Lilith. Barb, I was just shouting you out and saying how grateful I am for you and your willingness to um, take the lead on, on us, this loving on those mamas in the app that are pregnant. We want to show some love um, and just make sure that we are supporting and loving and praying for everybody. And also, like, I love those little things where it talks about how you can go on baby watch if you know a baby's coming and everybody's on baby watch waiting and praying. Um, so I would love to see us do things like that for the new the new mamas and the mamas that are um, that are pregnant right now. Good morning, Donita. So glad to see you, sis. Amen. Amen. Another sister on my heart. So Allison and Dr. Marina, please, please make sure. And Patrice, come on, let's keep all these ladies in our prayers, as well as keeping Lanita in our prayers. Um, Lanita's aunt passed away, keeping Donita in our prayers as well. We know she recently laid her aunt to rest as well. So please keep our sisters in your prayers and go through that prayer request section in the app and be and be praying for um, the faith mamas because, yeah, let's just pray for one another. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Erica says, 5 a.m. was my quiet time in the morning. I used to just watch random videos. Now I have a community with Bible study. Of course, Faith Mamas rocks. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I, I just get so excited to, to hear how what God is doing in everybody's life through this. Well, before we jump into um, Joshua chapter 15, let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Good morning, Heather. 
Amen. 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 Oh, Father God, first and foremost, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for how you're moving in each and every one of our lives, Lord God. And we just give you the glory, honor, and praise for all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. Father, we lift up our sisters to you. We lift up Allison and Dr. Marina and Patrice and Lanita and Donita, Lord God. We lift up any of those, Emma and Tamika, Lord God, Charity Lynn. And Father, we just lift up the names to you, Lord, some that we haven't seen in a while, Lord God, um, and, and some that are just going through a grieving or a very difficult time right now. Father, we lift them all up to you. And we just ask, Lord, that you would continue to lead in God and direct their path, Lord, and that you would comfort them. And Father, that you would let them know that they are being prayed for and that they are very much so loved. Lord God, we ask that as we prepare to jump into Joshua chapter 15, that you would lead us and guide us into you. We want to know you. We want to we want to see you. We want to hear about you, Lord. We want to know your character. We want to know all the things, Lord. So Father, we pray that you would lead us and guide us so that we might know you better today. Lord, we pray that you would just take the lead because wherever you lead, we will follow in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 All right, let's prepare to open up Joshua chapter 15. If this is your first time reading with us, we read the Bible, we read the chapter two times through. The first time we get a picture in our mind of what's going on in the chapter. And then the second time, we jump in with our pens, our highlighters. We take notes in the margin. Um, and so if that sounds like something that you're interested in, you're absolutely in the right place. I've said this many a times to, as we study the Old Testament. There can be chapters that feel like they are detached from us. Like, what does this have to do with me? I encourage you, even in those chapters, to lean all the way in, trusting God to show you why he wants you to read this today. Okay. So lean all the way in. If you find yourself saying, eh, I don't know what this has to do with me, lean in some more. Okay. Um, and that's, that is a tip and strategy I will give you anytime you're reading the old Testament, anytime you feel detached from the Bible, lean in because all of it is here for a reason. Feel free to ask tons of questions of the text. Like, hmm, I wonder what that means. I wonder what this means. Right. And so that we can understand why God saw fit to have this chapter right here. All right, here we go. So today we are reading Joshua chapter 15. I'm reading from the CSB translation. You can feel free to read from whatever translation you have available to you. Joshua chapter 15. And it says, Now the allotment for the tribe of the descendants of Judah by their clans was in the southernmost region, south to the wilderness of Zin, and over the border of Edom. Their southern borders began at the tip of the Dead Sea on the South Bay and went west of the Scorpion's Ascent, proceeded to Zin, ascending to the south of Kadesh Barnea, past Hezron, ascended to Adar, and turned to Karka. It's it proceeded to Asmon and the brook of Egypt. And so the border ended at the Mediterranean Sea. This is your southern border. Now the eastern border was along the Dead Sea to the mouth of the Jordan. The border on the north side was from the Bay of the Sea at the mouth of the Jordan. It ascended to Beth Hogla, proceeded north 
to Beth Arba and ascended to the stone of Bowen, son of Reuben. Then the border ascended to Debir from the valley of Acre, turning north to Gilgal, that is opposite the ascent of Adumen, which is south of the ravine. The border proceeded to the waters of Enchemish and ended at Enrogel. From there, the border ascended Ben-Himnon Valley to the southern Jebusite slope, that is Jerusalem, and ascended to the top of the hill that faces Hinnom Valley on the west at the northern end of Rephim Valley. From the top of the hill, the border curved to the spring of the waters of Nephtoa, went to the cities of Mount Ephron, and then curved to Bela, that is Karath Jerim. The border turned westward from Bela to Mount Seir, went to northern slope of Mount Jerim, that is Cheslon, descended to Beth Shemesh, and proceeded to Timnah. Then the border reached to the slope north of Ekron, curved to Shakiron, proceeded to Mount Belal, went to Jabneel, and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. Now the western border was the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. This was the boundary of the descendants of Judah around their clans. He gave Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the following portion among the descendants of Judah based on the Lord's instructions to Joshua. Kirath Arba, that is Hebron, Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishaya, Amen, and Talma, descendants of Anak. From there, he marched against the inhabitants of Debir, which used to be called Kirath Shafir. And Caleb said, whoever attacks and captures Kirath Shafir, I will give my daughters Asha to him as a wife. So Othenel, son of Caleb, brother, son of Caleb's brother, Kenaz, captured it. And Caleb gave his daughter Ashka to him as a wife. When she arrived, she persuaded Othenel to ask her father for a field. As she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for her, for you? She replied, give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the Negev, give me the springs also. So he gave her the upper and lower springs. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the descendants of Judah by their clans. These were the outermost cities of the tribe of the descendants of Judah toward the border of Edom in Najib, Kabiziel, Eber, Jagger, Kina, Demoneth, Ada, Kadesh, Hazor, Ithanan, Ziph, Tilium, Biloth, Hazar, Hadata, Karath, Hezron, that is Hazar, Amam, Shema, Molada, Hazar Gada, Heshman, Beth Pelet, Hazar Sheula, Beersheba, Bezoethan, Bela, Em, Ezem, El Tolad, Chesil, Horma, 
Ziklag, Mediman, Sansana, Le Liboeth, Shiliam, and and Ramon. 29 cities in all with their settlements in the Judean foothills, Eshoel, Zor, Ashna, Zenoa, Inganem, Tapua, Enam, Jarmuth, Adullam, Sukkoth, Azika, Shar Sharima, Adithim, Jadira, and Jadirotham. 14 cities with their settlements. Zenan, Hadesha, Migdalel Gad, Dylan, Mizpah, Joketh El, Lakesh, Bozeketh, Eglon, Kebon, Lanmam, Chitlish, Jadiroth, Beth Dagon, Nama, and Makeda. 16 cities with their settlements. Libna, Ether, Ashen, Ethath, Ashna, Nizib, Kila, Akjib, and Marisha, nine cities with their settlements. Ekron with its surrounding villages and settlements. From Ekron to the sea, all the cities near Ashdod with their settlements. Ashdod with its surrounding villages and settlements. Gaza with its surrounding villages and settlements to the brook of Egypt and the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. In the hill country, Shamir, Jatir, Sekoa, Dana, Kirith, Shana, that is Debir, Anab, Eshtema, Anim, Goshen, Holon, and Gilo, 11 cities with their settlements. Arab, Duma, Eshan, Janim, Beth Tapua, Apika, Humta, Kerath Arba, that is Hebron, and Zior, nine cities with their settlements. Maon, Carmel, Ziph, Jutoa, Jezreel, Jokoadim, Zanoah, Cain, Gib Gibeah, and Timnah. 10 cities with their settlements. Haluel, Bethzur, Gedor, Marath, Bethonoth, and El Tekon. Six cities with their settlements. Kariathbal, that is Kariath Jerim, and Reba, two cities with their settlements. In the wilderness, Beth Arab, Midian, Seca, Nibshan, the city of salt. And in Gidi, six cities with their settlements. But the descendants of Judah could not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites still live in Jerusalem among the descendants of Judah today. Let's read this chapter one more time. Here we go. Let's dig in. Joshua chapter 15. Now the allotment for the tribe of the descendants of Judah by their clan was in the southernmost region south to the wilderness of Zin and over to the border of Edom. Their southern border began at the tip of the Dead Sea 
on the South Bay and went south of the Scorpion's Ascent, proceeded to Zen, ascending to the south of Kadesh Barnea, past Hezron, ascended to Adar, and turned to Karka. It proceeded to Asmon and the Brook of Egypt, and so the border ended at the Mediterranean Sea. This is your southern border. Now the eastern border was along the Dead Sea to the mouth of the Jordan. The border on the north side was from the Bay of the Sea at the mouth of the Jordan. It ascended to Beth Hogla, proceeded north of Beth Arba, and ascended to the stone of Bohan, son of Reuben. Then the border ascended to Debir from the valley of Akor, turning north to Gilgal, that is opposite the ascent of Adumim, which is, is south of the Raven, ravine. The border proceeded to the waters of Enshemesh and ended in Enrogel. From there, the border ascended Ben-Hinnom Valley to the southern Jebusite slope, that is Jerusalem, and ascended to the top of the hill that faces Hinnom Valley on the west at the northern end of Rathiam Valley. From the top of the hill, the border curved to the spring of the waters of Nephtoah, went to the cities of Mount Ephron, and then curved to Belah, that is Kareth Jerim. The border turned westward from Belah to Mount Seir, went to the northern slope of Mount Jerim, that is Cheslon, descended to Beth Shemesh, and proceeded to Timnah. Then the border reached to the slope toward north of Ekron, curved to the Shekiron, proceeded to Mount Belal, went to Javniel, and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. Now the western border was the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. This was the boundary of the descendants of Judah around their clans. He gave Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the following portions among the descendants of Judah based on the Lord's instructions to Joshua. Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishaeth, Aman, and Talma descendants of Anak. From there, he marched against the inhabitants of Debir, which used to be called Kirath Shafir. And Caleb said, whoever attacks and captures Kirath Shafir, I will give my daughter Aksha to him as a wife. So Othinel, son of Caleb, brother Kenaz captured it and Caleb gave his daughter Aksha to him as a wife. When she arrived, she persuaded Othenel to ask her father for a field. As she got off her donkey, Caleb asked, what can I do for you? She replied, give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the Najib, give me the springs also. So he gave her the upper and lower springs. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the descendants of Judah by their clans. These were the outermost cities of the tribe of the descendants of Judah towards the border of Edom in the Najib, Kabziel, Edir, Jagur, Kina, Demona, Adea, Kadesh, Hazor, Ithanan, Ziph, 
Telem, Beloeth, Hazar, Hadata, Kareeth, Hezron, that is Hazar, Amam, Shemia, Moleda, Hazar, Gada, Heshmon, Beth Pellet, Hazar, Sheulel, Beersheba, Bezoethia, Bala, Iam, Izim, Iltolad, Chesil, Horma, Ziklag, Medimna, Shanchina, Leboeth, Shilhim, Anne, and Ramon. 29 cities in all with their settlements. In the Judean foothills, Eshtoel, Zora, Ashna, Zenoa, Engamna, Tapua, Enam, Jarmuth, Adulam, Sokoa, Azekah, Sherem, Adithim, Jadira, and Jadirathim. 14 cities with their settlements. Zenan, Hadesha, Migdal Gad, Dillon, Mizpah, Jokethel, Lakish, Bozkath, Eglon, Cabon, Lamam, Chitlish, Gideroth, Beth Dagon, Nama, and Makeda. 16 cities with their settlements. Libna, Ether, Ashan, Ethta, Ashna, Nezib, Kila, Axib, and Mersha. Nine cities with their settlements. Ekron with its surrounding villages and settlements from Ekron to the sea and all the cities near Ashdod with their settlements. Ashdod with its surrounding villages and settlements. Gaza with its surrounding villages and settlements to the brook of Egypt into the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. In the hill country, Shamir, Jatir, Sokoa, Dana, Kereth, Shana, that is Debir, Anab, Eshtemah, Anim, Goshen, Holon, and Gilo. Eleven cities with their settlements. Arab, Duma, Eshan, Janim, Bethtupa, Athika, Humta, Kerath Arba, that is Hebron, and Zior. Nine cities with their settlements. Maon, Carmel, Ziph, Jutoa, Jezreel, Jacodem, Zenoa, Cain, Giba, and Timna. Ten cities with their settlements. Halhul, Bethzor, Gedor, Marath, Bethonath, and El Tekon. Six cities with their settlements. Kerath Baal, that is Kerath Jerim, and Rabbah. Two cities with their settlements. In the wilderness, Beth Arab, Midian, Seca, Nibshan, the city of salt, and Engidi, six cities with their settlements. But the descendants of Judah could not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites lived in Jerusalem among the descendants of Judah today. All right, let's pray. Ooh, Father God, we thank you, Lord, so much 
for being able to read this chapter, Lord, and to get through the names of the cities. Lord, we thank you so much for your reminders throughout the Old Testament that this was not written in English as the original language. And we thank you, Lord God, that you've given us the opportunity to learn even more about what's going on as this land is being dispersed. Father God, we pray that as we move into a time of personal reflection, that you would you would show us where you want us to reflect, what you want us to see. Even if we don't understand why this particular name or verse or whatever is standing out to us, I pray, Lord God, that you just lead and guide us wherever you want to lead and guide us. Father, we give you complete, we just ask you to have your way. We just ask you to have your complete way where you lead, we will follow in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys, let's take a few moments to dig in to some personal reflection time of Joshua chapter 15. Here we go. All right. Woo. We are back. You guys, God is really like stretching me with reading these names out loud um, on YouTube. <laughs> so this is definitely a stretching me because usually I'll be like, uh, and struggling through. And that's why I'm excited about even getting more into the language um, as I do my studies. But anyway, I'm excited that we got through those names. And I want to tell you a little bit of background about what we're seeing here. So first of all, we have to understand that our, that Jesus, when he came from heaven to earth, he was Judean. He was from the tribe of Judah. So all this land that we are seeing right now is really a lot of it is land that we see Jesus travel as well. And we are going to see some of these things represented in the New Testament also. So this particular area is super important when we're talking about scripture, when we're talking about Jesus, when we're talking about even things that happen in the New Testament. So understanding a little bit about Judah is really important. And then also we have to remember, if we remember Jacob, who is whose name is Israel, he gave a blessing onto his sons. All of his sons either got a blessing or some weird thing that kind of sounded like a curse. They got something. He said something about them. 
And for Judah, he basically talked about how Judah was always going to have a king coming from Judah. There was the scepter was never going to leave from Judah. And it was a foreshadowing of Jesus. Of course, Jacob or Israel didn't know that at the time, but he was speaking over Judah. And he also spoke a double portion blessing over one of um, Joseph's sons. So all of this is kind of coming together and all the promises that God has made over time, we're watching it come together right here as the land is being dispersed. And it's easy to want to lean out because you're like, I don't know how to pronounce all these names and things, but lean in because this is literally what the buildup has been since Abraham. And now they're in the land and we're watching it get dispersed. And we can look back to the promises of uh, the promises of Jacob, how Jacob or who's known as Israel, how he talked to each and every one of his sons, giving them a blessing and how those blessings are played out here as they get their land dispersed. So it's amazing to see how God moves throughout the course of history and how he is completely faithful. My question is, what is standing out to each of you guys as we read. Erica says, I was thinking they should have phonetics of all the names in parentheses. Yes. But you know, the funny thing is this Bible is so big and most people don't read it already. And then the phonetics will make it even bigger. (laughs) But I agree. I'm like, whoo. And so, yeah. Oh man. And they have some, some places where you can look up the phonetics as well. And it's really cool to hear those, those names out loud. And I do that often. So CJ says, verse 17, Kenaz married his cousin, Ashka. Uh, hold on, let's go. Let's make sure we got the right names. Um, so who married who? So Othinel, son of Caleb's brother, Kenaz. So Othinel married Aksha. Othinel married her. And so there is a lot of this, you know, cousins marrying cousins and things like that at this time throughout scripture. And we see that throughout scripture. Verse 61, some of the Israelite tribes also inherited the wilderness. These two verses stood out to me. Come on. That hit me too, that the that some of Judah inherited the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? Something that we would deem as like, I don't want that. But when we think about it, they get this plain of land and the wilderness, that area is what they needed for what their specialty and growing crops and agriculture was. They get the land that they need for the things that they do. And the wilderness was it for them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, Shelly, so glad to see you. (laughs) Thank you so much for the encouragement with the names. All right, Donita said, of all the places listed, Judah, Jerusalem, Goshen, and Carmel stood out to me. They're the only ones I remember hearing before elsewhere in the Bible. Yes, and so we're gonna, and, and, and you might notice some of the other names now that you've read them. I know that it's hard because they're they're just not in our English language. And so it's hard to remember them, but you may notice, start to notice some other um, cities as we move forward. Genesis verse 18 and 19. Ashka sounds like a shrewd businesswoman grabbed as much land. Come on, Ashka, as she could in this deal. Marriage was more about land and position than anything else. Yeah. So 
in a lot, a large part of scriptures, we see marriage as more of a, like a business transaction and things like that. And they made very specific decisions for their family to make sure that they set their family up um, for financial success as well. And the women had a very big to part of this, setting their families up for financial success. They had to make certain decisions. That's why when you get to Proverbs, you see that Proverbs 31 woman, who is not real, by the way, the Proverbs 31 woman is not a real woman. It is an imagery of a mo the mother is telling her son, this is the type of woman you should look for. And in that Proverbs 31 woman, she talks about the way that that woman thinks about business, finances, and how she handles herself. So women had a pretty had a pretty major part in the financial stability of their family by making those type of decisions. And you'll see that throughout scripture um, of how women kind of made those decisions or encouraged their husbands to do certain things in order to set their families up um, for financial stability and success later on. Janice, um, yeah, Ellen says, I wanted to look up the name Hazar and it's from the uh it's from the Vern Hassar, meaning to begin to cluster or gather, thinking about things being laid down. All right, come on. See, this is what happens when you look up a particular name or something is like popping out to you, look it up, and then when you find the meaning, say, God, what do you want to show me about this? Woo, come on. Salia says Caleb's daughter was bold, just like him. Come on, she asked for the blessing as well. Come on, your kids see you. And then they mirror, they do things similar. I love that you brought that up. Caleb's daughter was a lot like him. <laughs> I love it. Bernie says the entire chapter is interesting. I learn, I enjoy learning about the division of territories. Verse 17 through 19 stood out to me the most. Let's see. So, so that's where, so Othinel, son of Caleb's brother, Kenaz, captured it and Caleb uh, captured it and Caleb gave his daughter, Aksha, to him as a wife. When she arrived, she persuaded Othinel to ask her father for a field. As she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? She replied, give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the Najib, give me the springs also. So he gave her the upper and lower springs. Woo! I tell you, Caleb's daughter. I love that Salia uh, said she's a lot like him. She's a lot like him. She's got a boldness to her. Janice says, the land of Judah, these are the ancestors of Jesus. Yes. And and this is, now, think about this. You remember, um, what's her name? Rahab. I almost forgot my girl's name. You remember Rahab. So Rahab is going to marry into the tribe of Judah. So this you know, Rahab from the city of Jericho that's now destroyed. This is now Rahab's new home. And so Rahab is going to mar is married into this city or this, this area. And now she becomes the, in the lineage of Jesus through this, through this. Amen. Anastasia said the chapter is interesting and in how the lands are being given out accordingly. Erica says, Ooh, and this stood out to me. The Jebusites are still in the land. Somebody asked a question before and they said, when it says they're still in the land to this day, does that mean like right now? And the, the answer is no. This means that as of when this book was written, the Jebusites were still in the land. However, 
King David drives the Jebusites out of the land in 2 Samuel. So we see King David do the finish the work that was started here. And I and, and Anastasia said the Jebusites still live among them, the people of Judah, just wondering why. So the there was a couple of areas where they had not defeated the people, and there was still um things going on in that land and there was still people in that land, right? And the Jebusites was one of these groups of people. When Caleb moved into where he was, um, the, the people of Enoch were still in the land and Caleb drove out those people and those people were what we, what we would know as giants. And when we, we start to see that some of those people fled um, to uh, Philistia, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but that's where the Philistines come from. And so right here, we have another part of Judah where there's still more people and they didn't drive these people out. And the interesting thing about this is these people didn't get driven out until King David. Until King David. So they lived there with King Saul. They lived there. They didn't get driven out until King David. And this hit me because... I begin to think about how God does promises, right? How he does promises. Think about it. He gave Abraham, if we go back to Abraham, he gave Abraham a promise and he said, your, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky. But when Abraham died, Abraham really only had one promised son. He had another child from another, uh, from Hagar, and then he had gotten married again. But the one promised child that God said, your descendants are going to come through. When Abraham died, he didn't see that promise fulfilled. So we have to understand how God does promises. So when Abraham died, he didn't see his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And we don't actually see the complete fulfillment of that until Jesus Christ, when he says now, all these people from all these different nations has now been grafted into the vine. And then we start to see, oh my goodness, there are what we call descendants of Abraham or descendants of Abraham's faith all throughout because of people being grafted in through Jesus. But it was for it was generations and this promise is still being played out. The same thing goes here. And I want to say this because this is how God does promises. We've got to understand this. This is a characteristic of God. That there are some promises that are made in one generation that are not seen for multiple generations. So in this case, we know that this whole land is to belong to Israel, but there are still others in the land. So therefore, they're living in the promise, but the promise has not yet been fully fulfilled. And then we get, gener we get generations later, we get to David. Because remember, we've got to go through the judges, you know, because before they had kings, they had judges. And then we go through um, King Saul and then we get to David. Right. So it's a long time that the Jebusites were living in the land. But if we look at the pattern of scripture, this is how God does promises. He may say something to one person and the promise not be fulfilled for generations. Right. For generations. And a lot of times we get caught up because we want to see the promise now in our generation. But that's not how the scriptures work. If we want to be true to what the scriptures show us, God is a generational promise keeping God. He doesn't just look at one person and say, and this is the this is the this is the challenge of our modern day mind, right? 
our modern day mind is looking for ourselves to achieve our purpose and our big thing. But what we don't realize is that our individual purpose is intertwined with generations that come after us. God always works like that. It's not just one person that's just standalone. It's a whole story across time. So if we're so focused, this is the problem. If we get so focused on ourselves, then we can't see that God is going to run this promise throughout generations. It's not going to be just for one person. It's never has. He's never done it that way. Even a promise that he made to Abraham for a promised child was not the ultimate promise, which was his, his seed would be more numerous than the stars in the sky, which took generations. And we're still seeing that promise played out, right? We're still seeing that promise played out. And look at, look at this. People are constantly looking for like, when is Jesus coming back? When is Jesus coming back? Why? Because this was a promise that was made that Jesus is going to come back. And we're looking for when is Jesus coming back? But look, God is a generational God. He will he will say something now and pull that thing throughout history. So if we're too focused on ourselves, we will think that God didn't fulfill his promise to us. But God is like, no, no, no. When I told you this thing, I wasn't just thinking about you. I was thinking about all those that come after you. God still works the same. Always. God still is the same God. So the patterns that we see about him throughout scripture are patterns that we can now say, okay, now I understand how God works. So when we see this city, this Jebusite area, and we're like, wait, why weren't they driven out? God is like, look, I will fulfill my promises, but I never said it's going to be right now with you. Generations later, we see King David come around and deal with the Jebusites. And that's how God works. That's how God works. <laughs> so many people says, thank you for making it clear about the, the Proverbs 31 woman. Yes, she was not a real person. So we need to stop comparing ourselves to her. She was just, you know, as, as moms, you know, you say you want the best for your son and this is the best she could mentally fathom, right? It was a, a mental construct of a mother telling her son what to look for, some of the attributes to look for in women. Yeah. CJ says, it's, it's so interesting because many of us, oh, I love how you guys are talking about the Proverbs woman. Many of us strive to be like the Proverbs woman. And there's a lot of great attributes to her. We just have to realize she's not real. Like she's not a real person. Like say Sarah or or um, Esther or Ruth. Like these are real women. The Proverbs 31 woman is not a real woman, right? She is an Im imaginary person from the mind and heart of a mother to her son. Donita says, verse 20 through 60, I noticed that there was mention of a city and its surrounding settlements. Not sure why this stood out to me, but there's a distinction to mention the area around it too. Come on, the area around it too, the city and the surrounding settlements. Come on. Amen. CJ says, sometimes our job is just to lay the foundation. And the question is, are you okay with that? Sometimes our job is just to lay the foundation. So these people that took the land originally, 
like we said, there's still Jebusites in the land. You know, when Caleb took the land, there was still some some other things in the land, some other people in the land um, that that weren't driven out. Right. So the it wasn't like, oh, you know, we think about, oh, I want to I want a home that's move in ready. I want to move in ready home. That's not the situation here. They moved in, but there was still people in the land that they were enemies with. Can you imagine there's a whole nation around you and the Jebusites lived here. They didn't like the Israelites. They weren't buddies. They weren't friends. So they had to live in that type of situation and environment for generations until David rose up in 2 Samuel. Like, a lot of times we're waiting for God. We want God to give us a move-in ready promise. Like, okay, you promised me this and then tomorrow you give it to me and then I just move in and everything is done. It doesn't happen like that throughout scripture either. Like, it's not, that. That's that's how he works. It's like, this is the promise, you trust me for it or you trust me with it. We Throughout history, we see little bits of this promise coming to fruition over the course of time, generation after generation. And each generation has its part to play. Think about King David. King David wanted to build the temple to God. He wanted to build the the house of God. And God said, no, because you have too much blood on your hands. So David couldn't even build the temple. Who did? Solomon. Why? Because his kingdom was a kingdom of peace. So it was something that David really had on his heart to do, but it was his son that actually carried out to do it. We have to realize this is how God works. He is a a cross-generation type of God. He does things across generations. So even when we're thinking, God gave me this promise, I pray that we know that the way God's promises work, and I know that sometimes we don't want to think about this, but throughout scripture, this is what we see. The way God's promises typically work is that they have some impact across generations across generations. Erica says, that is a big reminder. I want it fixed in seconds, right? And God doesn't, the scriptures don't show that God does that. Why? Because we have to go back to remember, what is God's mission? God's mission is the redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him. So God is going to leave breadcrumbs of his presence throughout generations. So yes, he's going to show you something, but then he's going to leave a little something over for your next, your generations after you. And then he's going to leave a little something over for the generations after you. And then he's going to leave a little something over for the generations after you, right? God's mission, we have to understand, we have to get this in our mind. God's mission is... The redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him. So he will give a promise and leave breadcrumbs in every generation so that every generation gets a taste. We want to keep the promise all to ourselves. No, no, no. God, you told me that I was going to have descendants as numerous as the stars. And I want to see the promise you gave me. And we have to realize that God is giving you a promise. 
so that that promise can span throughout generations so that every generation after you will know that he is good and that he is God. The promise is not just for you. The promise was not just for Abraham. Abraham really didn't care to have numerous, you know, stars and descendants. He wanted a son. His wife was, him and his wife were barren. They couldn't have any kids. They just wanted a kid, a kid. And God was like, I'm going to stretch your descendants out. And then here we have the children of Israel, the promised land. They were given the promised land. There was still people in the land. And God's like, I'm going to give, I'm going to give other generations an opportunity to see my goodness and to see and to see how I fight with them, fight alongside them. We have to understand that God is, God is not giving you promises because he wants you to be comfortable. That's not his purpose. God is giving promises so that he fulfills them as evidence of his presence so that humanity will be redeemed and reconciled back to him. Come on, Genesis, he never leaves us without our portion of the promise. We need to recognize all the steps God takes and worship him for every bit of faithful along the way. Come on. So I get my portion of the promise, but it may not be the whole thing that he said. Why? Because now, Throughout generations, everybody gets a taste of this promise. Even us now, we get a taste of the promise of Abraham. Come on, Audrey says, everybody gets the opportunity to experience the power of God. That's how God's promises work. It goes throughout generations. So a lot of times we're waiting for just our part, not caring that God is a generational God. It's absolutely amazing how God does this. Genesis city and surrounding speaks speaks to me of God's thoroughness. He will always fully complete the work he started. Always. Always. Colina says, and this is real. She says, it's tough sometimes not being able to see things happen when we've been laboring. Just like in life, sometimes we're only to plant seeds, but I'm praying I can see the fruit in my children. And that's one of the things we've got to learn is how to trust God, even if. We don't see the fruit. How to trust God, even if, you know, Paul talks about how some plant and others water, but God provides the increase, right? So it's really easy, especially if you're in ministry of any type or if you're discipling anybody, your children, anything, you want to see it happened. You want to see that moment of change, that moment where their lives are given over to God and they just they 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 love Jesus and you see the transformation and all this stuff and you want to see it. Now God may have given you a promise that it will happen, but you want to see it with your own eyes. And for some of us, 
depending on how God, what God's promise is, we're not going to see it. And we got to be okay with that. There's some of us that have witnessed to family members that have shared our testimony. And it just seems like nothing we ever do. They don't, they, they don't like, it's like, they don't even care. Like they would wish I would just stop talking. But you, you know that God said this person's life will be saved. And you know that you've heard it in prayer and you know it, you just know it. But nothing you can see leads you to that. It's like you can't see it. And God's like, I need you to trust my promises, not your eyesight. I need you to trust my promises, not what you see with your eyes. Because God's promises run throughout generations and throughout time. So for some of us, we've been praying for our children and God says your child will be saved. You know it, but you're watching them squander their life. You're watching them do stuff they shouldn't do. You're watching them just, it just, oh, it just feels so frustrating. And you're like, God, but you promised me. And one thing that we have to learn how to do is trust the promises of God even if we don't see the completion of that thing while we are living on earth. It's hard, but it's, it's biblical. We've got to trust that, hey, even if I leave the earth before my child gets saved, God said he made a promise to me. So I'm going to trust him. That this is the case. Come on, hallelujah. Bevy types, there's no moving ready promise. Come on. Why? Because God wants us to see him. See him move. So God gives a promise, but our eyes need to be kept on him. Donita reminds us the definition of faith involves not being able to see sometimes. Come on. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the, the evidence of things not seen. Once it's seen, it's now fulfilled and it's no longer faith. It's just now fulfilled, right? Come on, CJ said, even in death, God's promise will be fulfilled. He proves it time and time again. Now we do have to get this understanding. God will, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't know, it's just on my heart. God is responsible for the fulfillment of his promises, not for the fulfillment of our wants. So we have to understand that God is responsible and he shows us throughout history. He is responsible for the fulfillment of his promises. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. 
Now, if I say that I want him to do something and I've never really sat and, and asked him, is this what he's going to do? He is not responsible for my wants. And why do I say this? Why do I say this? Because there have been times where I got completely thrown off because I was praying for a loved one to live and not die. I wanted them to live and not die. And I've told you guys the story before. And I say it to sober us so that we can understand so that we can understand that we need to come up under the promises of God, not try to make God do what we want him to do. So I was praying for a family member to live. They were they were sick. They were dying. Um, they had told us to come and say our goodbyes. And I was praying for this family member not to die. I never asked what God's will was. I never asked if this is the person's time. I never asked anything of God. I just said, I want them to live. I don't want them to die. And I, I need you to fix it. And it shocked me. And I, of course, my prayer was a lot more eloquent than that. But it shocked me when the person died. And another instance come, and I told tell you guys about this one. A friend of mine wanted to have a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean. And, and I'm like, okay, we're going to trust God for this be back. And we're going to, we never asked God, God, is this your desire for this person? Lord, is this your will for this person? We never inquired of him. We just said, this is what we want. So this is what we're going to go ahead and say. And we're going to say it and we're going to say it and we're going to say it and we're going to say it. Guess what? She called me and her stomach was burning. And I asked her, and she asked like, what should I do? And I was like, oh, we're going we gonna to believe in faith. A couple hours later, she was being rushed to the hospital because her uterus was being split open. Why do I say this? Because God is responsible and will fulfill his promises. So before we go, just shouting out stuff and thinking God would do it, it would behoove us to ask him, is this your will? Lord, is this your will? If we look at Esther, like we see how a king operates with his bride. And I believe that this story is in here to give us an understanding. If we look at Esther, what happens? Esther's family. So this is how this is. We got to really look at the scripture. So I'm just going to give a little brief synopsis of this. Esther's family, Esther, the Israelites were being um, threatened. Their lives were being threatened because Haman pretty much tricked the king. And, and convince the king to issue this decree to basically let the Israelites be killed. Esther was an Israelite. She was Jewish. Her, her husband just didn't know. She was married to the king. Her husband just didn't know because her, her uncle Mordecai told her to keep it a secret. But when it came time for her to ask the king to step in, she was nervous because she realized the king does not have to heed my request. See, this is the thing we don't understand about approaching God. The king does not have to heed my request. Yes, it was her husband. And yes, we say we're the bride of Christ, but we have to realize the king is not required to heed our request. And it is by the grace when he does. So she goes before the king. He holds out his scepter to her. And then she is able to make her request. And then he, then he decides. This is, this is a part of the process that we have missed when it comes to God and his promises in this generation, I believe. That we are to make our request 
known to God, but then we are to wait for his response. Because God is responsible for his promises, not my wants. Imagine if Esther, and we're just going to get right into it so we can fix some of the heart conditions. Imagine if Esther went to the king, her husband, went to the king and said, hey, somebody's up here trying to um, kill my people. I need you to get on it and fix it. Thank you. Bye. And walked away. Wait, praise the Lord. The king is going to fix it. Yeah, the king is going to fix it. Never gave him a chance to say anything. Never asked what his thoughts were. Nothing. Just assume that because she said it and walked out the room, it was fine. Esther didn't function like that, nor should we. Because God is responsible for his promises. People quote the scripture all the time. Uh, The promises of God are yes and amen. Yes, the promises of God. Not just what we want him to do. Not just what we want him to do. We will even go to the scripture where it says, speak those things that be not as though they were. And we forget that it's actually talking about what God does, not what humans do. Go back to the scripture, read it. It says, God is going to speak the things that be not as though they were. Not humans. Our job is to petition God and then to listen for his response. God's will will always be done. But the question is, do I actually care about the will of God or do I care about the will of me? When we talk about promises of God and we're watching a promise of God be fulfilled, right now we're watching it throughout scripture, but guess what? God is responsible for fulfilling his promises. That's why when Caleb went to to Joshua, he reminded Joshua of what? God's promises. Because God is not responsible for fulfilling whatever Caleb wants him to fulfill. God is going to fulfill his promises. Woo! God is going to fulfill his promises. Hallelujah. Anastasia says, no matter how much we worry anyway, God's will will be done, not ours. And our feelings cannot manipulate him into doing it our way. God's promises are good, yes. But we have to understand that God's promises are his to give. His to give. His to give. God's promises are his to give. Colina says, sometimes I look at these beautiful houses and think it would be nice, but I won't, I just want Jesus. It's okay if we have to live paycheck to paycheck. God had come through, has come through every single time without fail. And I love that. But the truth is we can ask God. We can make requests, right? Jesus said that we can ask. We can ask God anything. There might be things we really want, right? And like, oh God, I remember I really wanted the job that I currently have right now. I really wanted this job. And I really wanted this job. 
because I was like, oh my gosh, it would be so cool to work in this job, right? And so I asked God, but I'm learning to not ask and assume he's going to do it. So people would say, Dominic, you just need to claim that job as yours. And I'm like, I can't do that because I haven't heard God say it's mine. Now, if God said it's mine, I'll claim it all the way up and down. I'd be like, oh, God said it was my job. It don't matter. But he never said it. He never said it was mine. There are some things that he's he's revealed to me, but this job, he never said it was mine. So I just said, God, I would really like this job. Like, we don't have to be, we don't have to be like, oh, I don't want anything. No, no, no. There's some things I would really like, but then we have to trust God. God, I would really like this. I'm laying it at your feet and I'm asking you. How often do we ask God what his response is? Because when he responds, it's a done deal. But the problem is we ask and then we turn away assuming we got an answer. And then we're shocked when it doesn't happen the way we concocted it in our brain. There are some things we know, God said, this is like, there's some promises we know. And I'm telling you, hold on to those promises. If God gave you the promise, come on. If God gave you the promise, you hold on to that. Come on. God said that I I remember, I remember, I remember that the Lord said to me in prayer one day through the Holy Spirit, nobody can take this away from me. Through the Holy Spirit, God said that I was going to work faith mamas full time, that this ministry was going to bring income into my home. Has it happened yet? No, but I know that's what he said. I know that's what he said. So no matter what it looks like, I know that's what he said. So I trust him and I hold on to that. You get what I'm saying? So our job is to hold on to the promise of God. And if we don't know how to hear God, that's step one. I get into my the word, I get into the scriptures so that I can begin to understand and hear the Lord through the Lord's character and how he works and functions. Donita says, this is why it's important to stay close to God and learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And look, the Holy, this is why reading the scriptures is so key because the Holy Spirit would, will always match up with the character of God. That we see throughout time. This is why I'm always pulling out these things like, hey, look at how God has has, um, dealt with promises across time. Because why? When we hear from the Holy Spirit, if we get this thing and it's like, I'm going to do this for you. Like, you know, I'm going to give you this timeline. It's going to be tomorrow. You know, who knows? I don't know. If it just doesn't line up with the word of God, we realize it's not him. That's how we start to learn God and his word and how he speaks and how he leads. Because the reality is God is responsible for his promise, whether we know how to hear him or not. So we might as well just learn how to hear him, understand his character and understand how he moves so that we can actually grab hold of real promises of God, as opposed to just these things that we made up and then be disappointed. Just because that's how I was raised and it's difficult living the truth now. It's caused me so many disappointments and heartaches. Yeah. Me too. I thought that I could just tell God what to do and he would just do it. And then I would say things like, I know God's not a genie, but like, this is the king of kings. This is the king of kings. 
So what we see throughout here is how God deals with his promises and his faithfulness. But we also get a reminder that God is faithful to his promise, what he said. This is why, this is why we can trust in what Christ said was the, um, was the prerequisites to salvation, right? Christ didn't say it was a whole bunch of work and doing all this and doing all this. This is, you, you, you believe me and you trust me as your Lord and Savior, right? That's a promise of God. I can lean on that and I can trust him that, hey, I, I, I confess my sins to you. I repent. I believe that you are, are came down from heaven to earth, died on a cross, rose from the grave. And I, I believe you're my savior. I accept you as my Lord. And we can trust that. Why? Because God said it. It's not something I made up. It's not something I made up. It's not something I made up. God is responsible and faithful to his promises. Not to the ones we conjured in our minds. Yeah, Donnie said, I'm noticing it so much more. I talked to those who grew up in a church. The 80s was definitely fire and brimstone. Every every generation kind of has its thing, right? The 80s was fire and brimstone, like get saved or burn in hell, right? That was pretty much, that was the method of the 80s. And, and you still see people that were raised in that and they will be like, look, you know, get saved or die, get saved or burn, right? And so salvation then becomes a fear tactic, like what they call fire insurance from hell. I'm getting saved because I just don't want to die and go to hell, right? I don't really care about this man named Jesus. I, I don't, I'm not really trying to learn about him. I just don't want to go to hell, right? So that was the 80s. The 90s was naming and claiming. It's still kind of here, right? It's naming and claiming because why? They were trying to, they were trying to, <laughs> all of this is like a marketing ploy for Jesus. <laughs> what's the best way to market Jesus? <laughs> Y'all, we be like, what's the best way to market Jesus to the masses? Should we market him based on fear or should we market him based on you'll get whatever you want? Like, it's like this big pendulum that swings back and forth. Am I going to use fear to market Jesus or am I going to use, you know, you get whatever you want to market Jesus. Look, how about we just use the scriptures to tell who Jesus is and let people choose for themselves. That's the, that is the concern that we have is that, hey, if I don't, if I don't share Jesus just right, then people won't know him. Mm-mm. We got to remember the Holy Spirit does the work. I don't need a marketing ploy for Jesus. Ah, there's so many things that we can get into. There's so many things that we can get into. But I believe that we're seeing throughout scripture that God is faithful to his promises. God is faithful to his promises. And so it would behoove us to know what if there are any promises that God has given us so that we can hold on to. And then also to pray and seek him if there's anything that we do want. There's nothing wrong with wanting things. It's just, hey, do I trust God to answer with whatever his answer is? Do I trust the answer of God 
Do I trust the direction? Do I trust the wisdom of God? Ah. Ellen says, I'm seeing how even the mistakes of generations can come together in God's bigger picture over time. Yes, we have to let go and trust and be faithful. Come on. So true. So true. Let go, trust, and be faithful. Hold on to God. Whew. Come on. Donita says, Moses' generation's mistakes still led to Joshua's crew seeing the promise. It's true. So it all comes back to what we've been saying throughout. Trust God, that's my part. Trust God, that's my part. Learn who he is. Under understand how to how he moves. That's why I said in a recent video, we're about to close out. I said in a recent video, one of the most transformational ways you can come into the scripture is with the desire to know God. Oftentimes we come into the scripture with a desire for an encouraging word for our right now situation. Hey, that's great. But when you come into the scripture, like, I just want to know you, God. I want to understand how you work and move. And I want to know what you're like. I don't want to just take other people's work. I want to see how you move throughout history. When we come to the scriptures with that, we begin to learn God. And when we begin to learn God, it helps us to hear God. That's true for anybody. When we begin to learn our husband, we begin to hear his heart on things that we couldn't hear before. When we begin to, when we begin to learn our kids, we begin to hear their heart on matters. The same thing goes for God. When I begin to learn God, I begin to hear his heart on some things. I realized that there was this thing inside of me that was like, you got to go. You got to do more. You got to do more. And all this time I was thinking it was God. I was like, oh, oh, you know, I got to go. And then I had to stop. And I'm like, wait, this is not the character of God. And when I combed through all that muck and all that muddy, I realized that there was this calm on the inside of me that kept trying to lead me back to rest. Has anybody ever experienced that? Where you just feel this urge to rest, but yet you have these thoughts of like running and racing, like I gotta, 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 gotta. But yet there's this thing that just kind of tries to lead you back to rest. And I realized that that, that direction and that urge to rest was God. This is what I'm talking about, understanding how to hear God. Because you have to learn him, right? You have to, and some of us think we've never heard from God, but that's not true. We just don't know what he's saying, right? So you can have this overwhelming anxiety that's on like repeat and rerun over and over and over again. But then when you get calm, you realize that there is this, there's this pull on your heart. You got to rest. You got to slow down. Eat something. I don't have time. I don't have time to eat. I don't have time to I get da, da, da. sit down. Take a minute. I can't. Da, 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 da. But but that that's God leading us to rest. That's God leading us to sit down somewhere. 
right? It's not that I don't hear him. It's that that I don't. It's that I don't understand his character, so that when his voice comes, I don't recognize it as him. One of the ways that I've learned how to hear God, and we're gonna I think we're gonna close on this. One of the ways that I've learned how to hear God, and I I tell people this all the time, and people might think I'm crazy, but give it a try. Give it a try. Number one, of course, is read the scriptures, right? And it'll help you understand the character of God. Look for patterns of how God functions over time, right? We have to realize that the Holy Spirit is within us. It looks a little different than God having to speak on a mountain to Moses because it says that when, when Jesus was resurrected, we now have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us, right? And so one of the ways that I've learned how to hear God is by asking myself, what is fear responding to in this very moment? The scriptures say that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I thought to myself, wow, I know fear's voice really well. It comes in through anxiety. It comes in through overwhelm. I know the voice of fear really well. But what I began to realize is that fear only responds. Fear never has an original thought. If you look, if you look at how fear works in your life, I mean, I just dare you to sit back and look at how fear works in your life. Fear never comes up with an original thought. It's always a response. That's how it's that. That's how it's designed. It's always in response to something. So if I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to, I got to. What is fear responding to? What is anxiety responding to right now? Because typically it's trying to distract you from what God is showing you. That's what fear does. So if you sit down long enough to say, why all of a sudden am I anxious about my to-do list? And then you comb it back and you realize that this fear was responding to a call to rest. Like, have you ever had that? Where it's like, I need to rest. I can't rest. I can't rest. I can't go. I can't if you comb back fear and say, what was fear responding to? What was fear trying to distract me from? What was the original message that was given that now fear has taken root and is going all over the place? Perhaps it's start this business. I can't start this business. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't. I, it's just, ah. Fear will always respond. This is how we start learning how to hear God. We read the scriptures. And then because we're so good at hearing fear, use fear to learn what it's trying to distract you from. Now, you, you, now you've got to use your sound mind that God gave you in order to do this. But say, OK, sit down and say, OK, what is fear responding to? That's how the spirit of fear functions. It's always functions to distract you from the voice of God. Why did God tell Joshua? Be strong and courageous. Why? Because fear will stop you from being able to hear God. It's a distraction tactic of the enemy. The enemy that we've got to, we've got to use, we got to learn this. And I'm going to say this real quick. So fear is a response that's inside of our bodies that was given to us so that we wouldn't like run into danger, right? So that we would be able to hear the car coming and jump back. But the spirit of fear 
takes the natural fear and blasts it out to everything to the point where you feel like the voice of God is dangerous. That's how the spirit of fear works, right? That's how the spirit of fear works. That's why even when you're raised in a, in a church that, that breeds fear, it becomes hard to hear God and you become dependent on the, the pastor's voice. Why? Because fear makes it impossible to hear God. That's why God said, I didn't give you this spirit. However, if we are willing to sit down and say, what is fear responding to? You will start to learn how to hear God. And I'm not saying run out and do something, but just start writing it down. When you say, what is fear responding to? Start writing down what fear is responding to. And then go into the scriptures and say, does this that fear is responding to, does this match up with the character of God? Does this match up with something God would lead people to do? So anyway, that is a strategy in which I've learned to hear um, God, his character, his will, his, his, his design and desire for my life. And so I want to encourage you guys on that. I think one of my kids' toys just started grooming. I'm not exactly sure why. <laughs> that was very weird. All right. On that note, we're going to go ahead and pray out. We're going to go ahead and pray out because I'm not sure. Hold on. Let me figure out what's going on with this toy. And then we're going to pray out. Mom life. (laughs) Mom life. All right, y'all. Well, let's go ahead and pray out. And remember that God is faithful to his promises. He keeps his word. Now, our job is to understand or know his word, right? But he keeps his promises. He's faithful, y'all. He's faithful throughout generations. He's faithful throughout generations. Y'all could hear that toy. I was like, this toy is talking. And that's weird. <laughs> like, So I turn it off. All right, let's go ahead and pray, y'all. This has been amazing. This has been amazing. Um, Amen. Jessica, we are in this together, sis. All of us. We're all learning God and we will learn. We will be learning him until the day we get to heaven. And that's the beauty of it. Right. We'll be learning him. Until the day we get to heaven. And I love that about God. I love that about God. I love that every single time I open the scriptures and read with you all or read with something new comes out. Like, I didn't know this. I didn't realize this. I didn't see that this is what God was saying. Every time there's something more. I love it. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. I thank you for my sisters, Lord. I thank you for this time in your word. I thank you, Lord, that even though we fumbled through the names and all the cities, Lord God, that you are faithful to show up, even though we're fumbling. I was fumbling through the names. You're faithful, God. 
You're faithful to show up. You're faithful, Lord God, to show us what it is that you want us to see. At this point in time, you, you showed us something about Caleb's daughter. You showed us something about um, the, the promise that you fulfilled and how it's fulfilled over generations. You showed us a lot of different things today. But God, we, can, we realize that we can come to this chapter another day. And you'll show us something else. That's the maze. That's why you're so amazing. And we are so in awe of you. So in awe of you. Father, I pray that we start learning how to enjoy this journey with you. And, 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 and start learning how to trust you and to, to love you and to know you. Help us, Lord. That's my prayer for us, Lord God, that you would help us to learn how to love learning you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. You're amazing. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Brandy says, I often fear if I do something else, I will be overwhelmed and continue to feel tired. Huh? I love that. And so for some of us, and I love that Brandy mentioned that God is telling us to go and to trust him. And for some of us, God is telling us to be still and rest. Both of those are characteristics of God. Both of those are things he would call us to do. And now, we have to trust him that when he tells us to go, he will make sure there's rest. And when, and we have to trust him that when he tells us to rest, he will make sure that the work gets done. So depending on where you sit is how fear will operate in your life. But we have to understand that God does both. He works to completion, but he also rests. So both parts are important to him. And fear will have you thinking that, well, if God tells you to do one thing, then he's going to take away the other thing. God showed us throughout scripture that if, if there's work to be done, he's also going to lead us into rest. And if there's rest to be had, he'll later lead us into work. Bevy says, God, this journey is not easy, but as we read your word and learn more about you each day, you help us to trust you. Hallelujah. You guys like, comment, and subscribe on this video and share it. As Erica reminds us, you can comment your big takeaways for a chance to win a $25 merchandise gift card for Faith Mamas. And we might give away something else too. I'm going to talk to Lenita about an idea I had. There are two days left to be entered in to win. So make sure you go back to um, the video and put your big takeaways because I like I like it because I know that people read the comments and you never know. Um, you just never know, right, how people are going to read those comments and it's going to change their life. CJ reminds us that there is a new group for parents with special 
for parents with children with special needs in the app. So make sure to join the group, check out the groups that are there. There are virtual groups and we're trying to start some local meetup groups. So make sure you check out those groups that are in the app. Let me know if I'm forgetting any other announcements, but I think those are the only ones that I remember. Um, And I'm excited, you guys, to just continue studying the word of God with you and to continue leaning into the scriptures with you. If you would do me a big favor and just keep telling people and keep inviting people um, and letting people know that we are here studying the word, you never know. You never know. Maybe somebody wants to do this alongside you and you guys can have like a, a debrief afterwards. I don't know. But I'm just really excited that each and every one of you guys are here. And I look forward to you guys coming back tomorrow, um, Lord willing, as we study what Joshua chapter 16. I can't believe it. We're almost done with the book of Joshua. It's kind of crazy. CJ says, check out the health and wellness group as well. Yeah, there's a ton of groups there. And if, look, I'm going to say it loud. I'm going to say it loud for everybody to hear. If you are not a biological mom, you are still very, very welcome in Faith Mamas. You might be asking why. The idea behind Faith Mamas is to equip and to help women that have influence in the, the lives of the next generation, okay? Influence in the lives of the next generation. You do not have to be a biological mother to, to, to be a to mother, to have influence in the lives of the next generation, to have influence in the lives of your community, to have influence in the lives of people, okay? I just got to throw it out there. It's faith mamas, not faith biological mother, okay? So I just want to let you guys know, let your friends know. That's the question I get the most often. Um, And I've even asked God, do we need to change the name? And God says, no, because I want a, a group of women that are willing to birth faith into the earth, to truly carry and birth faith into the earth. So Faith Mamas is the appropriate title. But it does not imply that you have to be a biological mother. We have groups for moms and people that have that are moms. We have groups for married women. We have groups. Are, look, come on, tell your friend. And, and you can just take a clip of this. If somebody says, no, I think it's just a group for moms. Take a clip of me saying this and say, see, she said it. You can come. Come on. Women that are willing to birth faith into the earth. Are you willing to birth faith into the earth? Are you willing to for God to fill you up with faith and for you to pour out your testimony of faith and everything on everybody you come in contact with, including the next generation? If you are, then you're a faith mama and we welcome you here. All right. That's all I got to say. I love you guys. I pray that you have an amazing Tuesday. I'll see you in the app a little bit. I won't be in there as much as I love to be because of classes and things, but y'all keep loving on each other and I'll see you guys back here tomorrow. Bye for now.